the defending National League champions sure played like defending champions tonight. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade now, and this is now my fifth season here at the Locked On Podcast Network and my fifth postseason. We had the Nationals victory. We had the COVID series with Los Angeles. We had the Braves upsetting Houston last year. We had the Astros topping Philadelphia and heat this year. Who knows what we have, but I'll tell you one thing we are going to do over the next bunch of days. You are going to hear from every single locked on host who has a team in the postseason. We started the series. We had um, the, we had Miller and Chuck from uh, the Arizona Milwaukee series. We uh, pretty soon you're going to see here, Brandon and Sean from the Twins and the Blue Jays series. And this one, we have Connor and we have Peter from the Philadelphia Phillies, Miami Marlins series. And we're also going to have the our, our hosts from the um, Rangers and the Rays. But hey, 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 hey. Enough of this yapping. Um, so we're gonna, the, the postseason has begun. And this was actually one of the most intriguing series I thought, because you had the, the Phillies who look really, really good going into the postseason. And the Marlins came in on a high, but come, you, know, you know, winning those key games down the stretch. And they got the, they are the second wildcard team. So they didn't have to face the Milwaukee Brewers. They're going to face the Phillies. But I don't think it's a little, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. The Phillies look really strong. They, they certainly have Bryce Harper firing on all cylinders, and Zach Wheeler starting the game. Um, let's take a quick peek at what happened on Tuesday afternoon, or Tuesday evening, actually. Um, you, you saw, like, from the beginning, you saw the, you know, the, the place was absolutely rocking like crazy. Um, and then you had the Turner double. You had the Bohm double. Next thing it was one nothing. Um, you had the Stott single, and... Um, he, all of a sudden, the Phillies are up two nothing, and then Pache hits the gets a big hit three nothing. Um, De La Cruz beats out that grounder, really, really terrific, you know, hustle coming in there, and it helps the uh, Marlins get on the board, and uh, with a three to one deficit. But then Castellanos winds up getting a double. Bryce Harper runs right through a stop sign and scores. And does what he does best, and the Philadelphia Phillies wind up winning the game four to one over the Marlins. Lazardo, he let up eight hits and four runs and four innings. That's not good. That's not going to be able to get it done. And um, Puck and uh, Soriano wound up pitching well out of the bullpen. Uh, Oker let up a, a run, but the uh, you know the player of the game. I mean, you had uh, Turner getting a couple hits, Castillon got a couple hits, but Wheeler striking out eight and six and two-thirds innings, 
let up only one run, not walking any. I mean, he pitched like the ace he was supposed to be. And with that, the Philadelphia Phillies are now in the driver's seat of this series. Now, they're going to play on Wednesday evening. Um, Nola versus Garrett. That's a good matchup. That's a good pitching matchup. I'd lean a little bit towards Nola. Um, I, I mean, obviously, momentum is your next day's pitcher. But it just... The, the Marlins' bats just were not going. They couldn't get that big, big hit that they needed. And that's something that's going to – look at that. That'll haunt the team. That'll haunt the team. And, look, Arise, he got – I mean, they got the uh, – Bell got the two extra base hits. And Bell has been – you know, was terrific. He got three hits in the game. Uh, Arise did get a hit, but, you know, they didn't get that big inning. They got some kit, you know, key hits for some players. Delo Cruz obviously wound up, uh, you know, beating out that infield grounder. Um, but you know, I had said going into this series that the most important player for the Marlins moving forward was Jazz Chisholm. They needed him to be the spark plug. They needed him to be the the player, not necessarily to get the big huge home run but to keep the rallies going, to be part of each rally. Went over four with a couple of strikeouts. You know, Bell got three hits. Burger got a hit. Dela Cruz got a hit. You put Jazz, you got uh, Jazz to get a couple of hits in the middle of that. Next thing you know, you're going to have a couple of rallies going on here. So I, I don't count out the Marlins. Arise can get hit with anybody. Solaire's obviously has a lot of postseason experience. Bell has been one of the best. It was one of, if not the best postseason or the best uh, trade deadline acquisition. And Chisholm and Berger and De La Cruz, I mean, they could all they could all have multi-hit games and explode against Nola, but they can't let the Phillies rally. You know, Turner gets his couple of hits. You know, Harper gets the hits when he needs to. You know, Castellanos gets the hits and the runs bad in when they needed to. So, look, it, it's going to be an interesting game tomorrow. Obviously, the fish are on the deck and they're starting to flop. They are starting to flop. But are they going to flop all the way? I actually think the Marlins are going to dust themselves off and they're going to force a game three on this. I like the Marlins. I like their bats. I think they can get going. And they went right up against Wheeler. This is one of the dangers of the postseason. If you go up against one of the top pitchers in the league, you know, you're bound to stub your toe. But the fact of the matter is this. I do believe in Miami. I do believe they're going to play well. And look, it's not that I don't believe in the Phillies. I just think that I think the Marlins have one more big game left. But we're going to hear from Connor Thomas, the host of Locked on Phillies, and hear his thoughts in a segment that was recorded just before the start of the series. We're going to hear some of his forecasts and some of his thoughts and some of his concerns. Let's listen to Connor Thomas from Locked On Phillies for some of his thoughts on the team just before the series began. The Philadelphia Phillies, they're in for another red October, and they start a series with the Miami Marlins in the NL wildcard matchup coming up. And there are some big questions. 
ahead of the Phillies postseason run that I wanted to get into in this real quick video to tell you everything you need to know about what the Phillies have facing them and what the expectations are for the team heading into the postseason. So question number one, we're jumping right into it, about the expectations of this team. Like, I, I want to talk about what the expectations for the team was heading into the season versus the expectations of the team heading into the playoffs. And to me, it's the same thing for the Philadelphia Phillies. It's been a roller coaster ride, right? It's been ups and downs, a slow start, a hot middle of the season. Trey Turner stunk, then he didn't. Kyle Schwarber couldn't bat lead off, then he had 47 home runs. Bryce Harper was going to be hurt for three months, and then he played and cleared 20 homers. Is Aaron Nola good or not? There's so many things we still don't know. But what we do know is that a team that was expected to make the playoffs again made the playoffs last year as the final wildcard team. This year, they won 90 games, three more than last year. They're the top wildcard seed, and they still have expectations of being a World Series contender. So have the expectations changed? No. The road was a little bit winding to get here, but it's still World Series expectations for the Philadelphia Phillies, and a matchup with the Marlins is just a stepping stone on the way to where they want to get, which would include having to knock off the Atlanta Braves again, possibly the L.A. Dodgers, and whoever comes out of the other side of the bracket and then worrying about the World Series when we get there. Uh, it's still business as we expected it to be for the Philadelphia Phillies in 2023. Now, the batters that are coming into the playoffs hot at the plate. Right now for the Philadelphia Phillies, you're looking at Bryce Harper absolutely on fire. You're looking at Trey Turner, who's turned his season around. There are a couple of guys that are really, really rolling for the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, frankly, the offense itself was pretty hot down the stretch. It was August, right? And now we're heading into October. But just a month ago, they were completing the best homer month in the history of the franchise and one of the greatest in Major League Baseball history. So, Really, a lot of guys are hot. Anybody could really get going, too, on top of where they're already at. Bryce Harper's a clutch performer come postseason. Uh, I look at the top of the order, and I say Kyle Schwarber's been hitting the ball out of the yard really well lately. He really has been all year. He's hot. Bryce Harper is never not hot. Trey Turner, outside of the start of this year, has gotten really, really hot, so I could see him as a big piece. And the young player to keep an eye on, Alec Bohm, he's going to finish the regular season, or he did finish the regular season with 97 RBIs, but if they had something to play for, there's a good chance he could have gotten to 100. He's a really important part of this lineup, too, going forward. So those are the guys to keep an eye on. Now, as far as the starting rotation and the depth that the Philadelphia Phillies have, they almost have too many starting pitchers. The three guys I trust to get the ball in a starter's role are going to be Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and Ranger Suarez. Those are the guys that have done it here before and have done it at a high level. We talked about already, Nola's been a little iffy this season. But still, uh, postseason, he's got the experience. He's a veteran. He's a guy that is unflappable, even after the really rough contract year he's had. So those guys are the ones that are getting the ball. But then you have plenty of more to worry about. Tywin Walker has been great at points this year for the Philadelphia Phillies. Does he get a start? Christopher Sanchez, a young pitcher who had to get called up midseason to be a part of this team. He wasn't on the opening day roster. Well, now he's got the opportunity to potentially start a game in one of the longer series if the Phillies get there. He's been a really good starter for them this year. Michael Lorenzen threw a darn no-hitter for this team this year, and he's probably going to be pitching out of the bullpen. So the depth of this team's starting rotation is – insane compared to last year where the Phillies only really had three starters they trusted. Moving on to more pitchers, though, the bullpen. Is the bullpen good enough to win the World Series? The next question I got here to get into. Yes, this bullpen is good enough 
to win the World Series. You have an all-star closer in Craig Kimbrell. You have Jose Alvarado, who's one of the best lefty relievers in all of baseball. And then behind them, you have a bevy of guys who have a high ceiling. Gregory Soto, rough year, his first year in Philly in the regular season. Still a multi-time all-star as a reliever. Matt Strom was great earlier on in the season. He has the ability. Saranthi Dominguez was outstanding last year. He hasn't had a great season in 2023, but the ceiling is still there. Then you add in guys like Jeff Hoffman, who's been a great surprise for this team. Uh, you add in Michael Lorenzen, who we just talked about, who threw a darn no-hitter as a starter. He's now in the bullpen. And Orion Kirkring, the X-Factor, the young kid who started the ball, uh, started the season rather in single A ball, is now a part of the playoff roster. Throws 99, has a dirty slider. Yeah, this bullpen is good enough. The question is, will we get consistent enough bullpen performance by the Philadelphia Phillies to get the job done? Now, another question I want to get into here. What is the Philadelphia Phillies' greatest strength heading into the postseason? I'll tell you what their greatest strength is. They've been here before. Last year, the Philadelphia Phillies made a magical, magical run when nobody believed they could. And... What that does for your confidence is it makes all of these players who are already veteran, proven guys going into last season, but who now have the experience of playing a postseason in Philadelphia, it tells them that they know they can compete with anybody. That's their biggest strength is the makeup of this team. Look at the leadership. Kyle Schwarber, an insanely good leader, a guy with a World Series pedigree. JT Romuto a veteran who's been around the block forever, was a big performer in the playoffs last year. He's been the best catcher in baseball for years now. Now, is he dropping off a little bit due to age? Possibly, but still a veteran leader. Bryce Harper, the most clutch performer in the postseason last year. He's back better than ever. Like, he's insanely good. Trey Turner, a guy that's played at big moments. It's his first season here, but he's another veteran guy. And even the young players, Marsh, Stott, Bohm, they got the taste last year. They know what it's like. So I think that whole run last year is going to be the biggest asset to the mentality of this team this season. And now, what are we worried about in the postseason for the Philadelphia Phillies? It's the inconsistency of the starters. There have been points this year where Aaron Nola and Ranger Suarez and Tywon Walker have been really, really shaky. It's inconsistencies. The Phillies, they'll play for a week and look like the best team in baseball. And then they'll play for a week and look like a middle of the pack team. The upside is if you get that best team in baseball stretch for two, three weeks, they're going to be world series champions, but they haven't really shown consistency throughout the course of the season. And that's why it was uh, such a stressful year in spite of them winning 90 games. That's the thing I'm most worried about is as capable as they are of going out and getting hot and running through the National League and having a good look at the World Series again. They're just as capable of having two really, really rough performances on the mound and finding themselves going home. Like I just don't there's a low ceiling for this team and there's an incredibly high floor. And that whole in between is the question of how they're going to perform in the playoffs. That's my biggest worry. Uh, coming into the postseason. Finally, how far in the postseason will your team go? Wow, a very black and white question there. How far will the Philadelphia Phillies go? It's such a tough call because they match up with the Braves if they beat the Marlins, and then you might have the Dodgers. I'm just going to go ahead and play this out, right? I think the Phillies are going to beat the Miami Marlins. I really do. I think with the momentum from that and the familiarity with the Braves, I think they're going to have the best chance of knocking off the Atlanta Braves. If the Phillies don't beat the Braves, 
the Braves are going to be World Series champions because no other team in baseball seems to be able to figure that team out. I, It's going to be a tight series. If the Phillies beat the Braves, they're winning the World Series. If the Phillies lose to the Braves, obviously they're out in the NLDS. That's what it comes down to, right? It's right there for you. That's going to be the huge matchup because once you beat that team, you have confidence you could take down anyone. I'm not buying anyone from the American League this year. Uh, even the Orioles, they're kind of young. It's a great story. I don't think they'll make it to the World Series. And even if they did, I'd still take the Phillies over them. I really think the actual World Series would be a Philadelphia Phillies, Atlanta Braves, NLDS. So the question is, do you have faith in them winning that series? I do. But <laughs> I'm a bit of a homer and I'm rooting for a red October. That's my thoughts on those questions on the Philadelphia Phillies. So appreciate you checking in on this short video. Hopefully it told you more you need to know about the Philadelphia Phillies' upcoming postseason run and what should be another great Red October. Well, there is no shores of confidence there as he sees them going all the way to the World Series. Thank you very much, Connor. When we come back, let's go across the pond and see how Peter Pratt locked on Marlins thinking about the fish. We're going to go all the way to England. Here's Peter Pratt, host of Locked on Marlins. All right, here's an introduction to the 2023 Miami Marlins in the postseason, baby. Heading into the season, what were the expectations? They were mixed. Mixed expectations for the Marlins. People were uncertain. The roster had a massive shakeup. Kim Ang really kind of changing the construction of this roster. And so there were a lot of people that were uncertain how this could go. And I could see many, many outcomes. But fundamentally, a lot of people were looking at the 500 mark being a good season for the Marlins. Not a lot of people were really talking about the postseason and the expectations to make the postseason. The team in 2022, it won 69 games. The expectation or the hope was that they could see some meaningful progress towards 500. And fundamentally, I think be in it at the deadline and perhaps look to add to this roster. At that point, they were way over 500 and they did still add to the roster looking to make this postseason push, which eventually has ended up becoming a postseason team. Great to see. Um, heading into the playoffs, though, what are the expectations? It's tough. It's tough to have uh, a, you know huge high expectations. The reality is for the Marlins, getting in was the main goal. Now that you're in, anything can happen. And so I think from a Marlins perspective, everything now is just is just gravy. <laughs> we'll wait to see. In terms of who's hot coming into this series from an offensive standpoint, this team has been pretty much propelled by uh, the guys that were added at the deadline. Josh Bell, Jake Berger. They've been huge for the Marlins. Equally, Jazz Chisholm Jr. has gone on in a real nice run recently too. He's recently changed his batting stance and somehow... Things are clicking for Jazz, even against left-handed pitching, which is great to see. But the guy to keep an eye on and has really come alive heading into the postseason particularly is John Birdie. Slow start of the year for John Birdie. I was expecting him to steal like 100 bases this year. Haven't seen that from Birdie. The speed hasn't quite shown up, but the bat at the back end of this year has really shown up. John Birdie has become vital to this Marlins offense. He's been leading off. He's been hitting at the bottom of the order. Kind of depends who's going from a, a pitching perspective. But John Birdie 
guy to watch. Um, we'll wait to see whether he plays every day during this postseason run, but he's pretty much taken over from Joey Wendell at shortstop. So John Birdie, the hottest. Luis Arias, obviously the, the NL batting champ. Uh, he's been missing for the past week and a half. So we wait to see what kind of Luis Arias we see in the postseason and if we see him at all in the field. In terms of the starting rotation and the rotation depth itself, fundamentally, this is an area of, uh, of weakness in some ways for the Marlins. But in a three-game series, I think they're okay. Um, Jesus Lazaro gets the ball in game one. Braxton Garrett gets the ball in game two. Two lefties, two guys that have had career years, both in terms of innings and production. You've got no Sandy Alcantara, no Yuri Perez, the two guys that really uh, this, uh, you know, a, a, being the, the the core of the rotation. Uh, this year, as things have gone on, Sandy obviously injured, Yuri Perez run out of innings. So once you get past those two guys, though, in terms of Lozado and Braxton Garrett, things start to get a little dicey. I'm intrigued to see if Marlins need a third game in this wild card. Who would start that? Probably Eddie Cabrera, maybe coupled with Johnny Cueto. But as you can tell, I'm a little bit nervous on that. The Marlins fundamentally have run out of arms uh, and their rotation depth is extremely tested. Frankly, the strength of this club, probably all year long, but particularly in the last couple of weeks, has been the bullpen. So it's intriguing to see whether the Marlins actually look to go more of a bullpen game approach where they don't have either uh, Jesus Lozado or Braxton Garrett going. This bullpen, the only word to describe it all year long, has been nails. The pen has been nails. It's been the strength of this club. Tanner Scott, effectively the best reliever in the game by win probability added. So Tanner Scott being an absolute stud. Andrew Nardi equally has emerged. David Robertson, uh, another deadline acquisition, didn't quite work for Robertson in the ninth inning, but he's found a real nice role in that seventh or eighth inning. AJ Puck as well. Remember him? He was the closer for the Marlins early in the year when they were absolutely riding that hot streak. Puck still delivering, uh, but slightly away from high leverage spots. Fundamentally, the bullpen has been asked to do a lot this year, and it's a big part of why the Marlins have made the postseason. And Frankly, if the Marlins are going to go deep into the postseason, then this bullpen will need to deliver again, no doubt about it. When you talk about this team's strengths, what are the strengths of the Marlins? Well, you, you have to look at the way the offense is constructed. And the way the offense is constructed this year versus previous years has been the ability to get balls in play. Batting average is way up for the Marlins this year. They're like a top five batting average offense. They look to their high contact offense. They look to get the ball in play. And fundamentally, they look to pre put pressure on defenses. And we've seen that over and over and over again this year. In the highest pressure spots, the Marlins offense comes alive. They put the ball in play and they wait for those mistakes. They ask the questions of the defense. And that is going to be really intriguing in postseason games where the pressure is really, really ramped up. How can the other teams handle this Marlins offense? So the Marlins offense is built different. But it has been a little bit more balanced with the additions of Josh Bell and Jake Berger. Jorge Soler, let's not forget him. He is an absolute stud in the postseason. Last time he was in the postseason, he was World Series MVP. You've got the batting champ. You've got Soler that's got the pedigree in the postseason. Berger, Bell, Jazz Chisholm Jr. You've got some of the younger guys in De La Cruz and Jesus Sanchez, plus the red hot John Birdie. This offense, underrated perhaps, and actually can deliver if needed, well, hopefully it will deliver and it will be needed. Um, the bullpen, as I've already mentioned, huge strength for this club. But it shouldn't go, you know, it probably is going under the radar. What kind of a year that Braxton Garrett has had. Jesus Lozado, a lot of people know about, 
Less so Braxton Garrett. He's going to have a big role to play. And as well, what kind of what kind of start, what kind of innings, what kind of production can they get from Edward Cabrera? What are we worried about in the playoffs? What are the concerns? What are the risks here? The risks are um, that the, the starting rotation just falls apart at this point. They're the main risks. Equally, the offense has gone cold at times in games. It looks to come alive from the seventh inning onwards, but you do wonder if the rotation can't hold it close enough uh, and then the offense can't come alive in time. But fundamentally, it was starting in a three-game series against the Phils, and with that, you know, there's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. We've played the Phils well this year. We always play the Phils well, and so I think this is a really nice matchup. Um, what we worried about, though, after that is facing the Atlanta Braves, who have absolutely had the Miami Marlins' number for years. Um, the Marlins did end up sweeping the Braves in the series at the back end of the year. However, the Braves had already clinched, and so I'm not sure how much you can read into that. How far can the Marlins go? That is a big question. I think for them, success would be absolutely getting through a wildcard series on the road in Philadelphia. And then if you if you get to the DS and end up getting beat by the Bravos, you know, it is what it is. They're the best team in the National League by the record anyway. So there's nothing uh, to be ashamed about on that front. Right now, the Marlins weren't expected to be here. So being here is a, is a success. However, the history of this club shows when the Marlins in a 1-6-2 season make it as a wildcard, the two times they've done that prior, they've gone on to win it. So many fans, many Marlins fans, ones that have been following the team for many, many years, are expecting their third World Series. We'll wait to see how it goes. I have to tell you something. Peter's segment there was an absolute roller coaster because there are some points he sounded completely pessimistic, like we're just happy to be here, da-da-da-da-da. And then some points he was like, Invictus, we are going to win, and they're going to go win the World Series. So uh, just emotionally, that was a little bit of a roller coaster. But, but thanks so much, Connor. Thanks so much, Peter. We're going to see what happens in the game tomorrow. I actually agree with him. I I I do believe in their offense. I think their offense is going to show up tomorrow, and I think this is a series that's going to go the full three games. So follow Connor Thomas on Lockdown Phillies. Follow Peter Pratt, who you could probably guess from his voice, is not a native of Miami, uh, but he is a great host of Locked on Marlins. And we are going to do this for every single series. We're gonna, uh, we also have upcoming shows where we're going to hear from the hosts of Locked on Dodgers, Locked on Braves, Locked on Orioles, and Locked on Astros, the teams ever to buy. We're going to hear from all of them on um, that was tomorrow. Wednesday. I don't know. We're put, we're posting a ton of shows up here. And you know, this is this is the fun part. This is this is dessert. And so so tomorrow, uh actually just take a quick peek here. Uh I actually don't remember the the matchup for tomorrow. It is gonna be um Nola is gonna be pitching for the Philadelphia Phillies and Garrett is gonna be pitching for the Marlins. I think that's gonna be a good matchup. I think that both bats are just good enough to do it. So uh, and check out all the previews that we're doing for all the different teams in the postseason and follow us every day. If you're an everyday listener, let us know and put us on your comments where you call yourself an everyday Sully. So on behalf of Connor Thomas of Locked on Phillies and Peter Pratt of Locked on 
Marlins. I almost said locked on Blue Jays. This has been locked on MLB for the, when is this, the th- either third or fourth day of October. I don't know what, when you're actually listening to this. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>